Hello everyone and welcome to Six Pack of Facts, a weekly way of expanding your brain, six refreshing facts at a time. My name is Alex and this week we're blowing the lid on the hellish fury, well mostly hellish fury, of one of nature's most incredible forces and an infamous victim of one of them. It's time for Volcanoes and Pompeii. When it comes to the origins of liquid water on Earth, a long-standing theory points to the sky. In the early, early days of our planet, this theory states that asteroids and comets full of water ice smashed into Earth, depositing their vast watery riches as they did. But another theory that's increasingly gaining ground in the scientific community points to a different source. Volcanoes. Research into the composition of the Earth's mantle shows that the layer contains much higher quantities of some rare metals, such as platinum and ruthenium, than previously thought. This is strange. Metals like these are attracted to iron, so the vast majority of the mantle metals were pulled into the Earth's core through a natural process. So this late veneer of rare metals was surprising. What's more, some of the metals found in the layer have different atomic signatures than what is commonly found in space rocks. If this evidence is spot on, it means Earth's water was present in the mantle without the aid of impacts. Water in the form of hydroxyl groups, one hydrogen and one oxygen atom, is trapped within minerals in the mantle. When mantle rocks melt, the water dissolves into the new magma, and when this magma makes its way to the surface and cools, a reduction in pressure forms crystals, and the water is released as vapor through, you guessed it, volcanoes. So, the next time you're enjoying the beautiful blue waters of the ocean, you can probably tip your cap to a much more fiery source than you may have thought. The tallest volcano on Earth is Hawaii's Mauna Loa, which clocks in at 6.3 miles above the sea floor. Olympus Mons, the titanic volcano on Mars, laughs. Olympus Mons is the largest volcano in the solar system. It rises 16 miles above the Martian surface and covers 374 miles. It's so tall that it towers over the infamous dust storms that sweep over the planet. It's really big, but it's not the piercing spire you might be picturing. Olympus Mons is a shield volcano, meaning it was created by lava slowly flowing down its sides, forming a gentle slope over billions and billions of years. Steep or not, it's a massive geological figure that most likely could never exist on Earth for a couple reasons. Mars has lower surface gravity than Earth, allowing the lava to pile higher than it would here. And the red planet doesn't have one feature that has helped shape our own, plate tectonics. Without tectonic plates, the hotspot that spewed the formative lava would just stay put, allowing the massive volcano to grow more and more instead of distributing smaller volcanoes as the hotspot moved thanks to the shifting plates. Volcanoes conjure up images of blazing magma plumes and lakes of lava, but not all volcanoes are so hellish. Say hello to cryovolcanoes. Volcanoes actually don't require any type of hot, well, anything, 
What a volcano does need is a difference in pressure or temperature between the subsurface and surface. And cryovolcanoes, like the ones found on the dwarf planet Ceres and possibly Pluto, have this in spades. In place of molten rock, the magma of cryovolcanoes is a mixture of water, ammonia, methane, and chlorine compounds. And in place of the rocky structure of the volcano itself is the solid ice forms of these same materials. As this chilly magma increases in temperature, thanks to radiogenic heat, released during the decay of radioactive elements, primordial heat, leftover heat from the formation of the celestial body itself, or tidal heat, friction caused by the push and pull of a host planet, it decreases in density, causing it to rise up to the surface. This cryomagma can have bubbles of gas, be crystalline in form with large chunks of ice, or even contain pieces of partially dissolved rock from the subsurface. Of course, not all volcanoes have been as cool as cryovolcanoes. Possibly the most infamous eruption in Earth's history shows just how destructive these geological beasts can be. Gaze up at Mount Vesuvius. It's time for Pompeii. Instead of getting right to the destruction, let's take a peek at how life was in Pompeii before being very rudely interrupted by an unfortunate eruption. At the turn of the first century, Pompeii, located about five miles from Vesuvius, was a bustling, Roman-influenced resort town. Beautiful houses, gorgeous villas, and artisan shops dotted the streets. There was even a 20,000-seat arena that could house most of the 12,000 people living in Pompeii itself and the 12,000 more living in the surrounding area. Thanks to the Bay of Naples, the city was a tourist attraction for wealthy vacationers of Rome. Massive banquets were sometimes thrown for young men who became old enough to wear adult togas, with records showing one of these parties welcoming more than 6,000 guests. Things weren't all peachy. There was famine at times, and a major riot broke out after a gladiator fight, resulting in Emperor Nero exiling several citizens, but on the whole, things were pretty good. Until they weren't. In the year 63, an earthquake rattled Pompeii in what is now known as a clear warning signal from the looming volcano. It did little to deter the growth of the city, however. Sixteen years later, in the year 79, disaster struck. Mount Vesuvius erupted, sending ash, pumice, other rocks, and volcanic gases so high into the air that people could see the plume from hundreds of miles away. In what is the only eyewitness account of the destruction, Pliny the Younger wrote that the cloud rose to a great height on a sort of trunk and then split off into branches. It was terrifying. I believed I was perishing with the world, and the world with me. Terrifying, yes, but not deadly. Not yet. Most citizens of Pompeii had time to escape from the impending doom. For those who didn't, however, the doom soon arrived. As ash continued to fall on the city, buildings collapsed and the air became hard to breathe. Tumbling down the mountain, however, was the true death blow. A 100-mile-per-hour pyroclastic flow of superheated poison gas and rock. 
By the time the eruption ended the next day, Pompeii was buried under millions of tons of ash. Around 2,000 citizens were dead, but the total death toll was likely around 16,000. Pompeii, along with its neighboring town of Herculaneum, were abandoned for hundreds of years. More than 1,600 years later, explorers hunting for ancient artifacts unearthed Pompeii. The volcanic ash, while brutally deadly, had preserved the city almost exactly as it was right before the eruption. Intact buildings, everyday items, and, of course, the skeletons of those who had been killed in the disaster. It was all there, remarkably frozen in time. Some explorers even found jars of preserved fruit and bread. Many years later, plaster casts of impressions in the ash would be made, creating eerie recreations of Pompeii citizens during their final moments. No matter how macabre, the rediscovery of Pompeii helped inspire a neoclassical revival during the 18th century. Wealthy Europeans displayed recreations of Pompeii-era art, and drawings of city buildings helped form architectural trends. Over time, studies into Pompeii, including its artifacts left behind, have helped shape what life was like in the city before it was frozen in ash for centuries. The juxtaposition of learning so much about life from the hollow, deathly remains was summed up by Andrew Wallace Hadrill, the director of the British School at Rome. It's a paradox of archaeology. You read the past best in its moments of trauma. And that's that. The sometimes fiery, sometimes icy, sometimes destructive, sometimes life-bringing awe of volcanoes. Truly one of nature's most powerful forces. Until the next six-pack of facts, don't go falling into any active volcanoes. And, as always, stay thirsty. Can't get enough of these refreshing facts? There are three easy ways you can help support the show. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts, leave a quick review. Then, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Then, share the show with a friend. The more, the factier. Stay thirsty.